Hi again, everybody. Welcome into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Management Decisions, our look at all the topics that relate to the management types out there. Now, in this episode, we're examining the leadership necessary for a creative team, as we'll discuss some of the key items to consider with our guest today, Amy Clymer. Amy is the owner of Clymer Consulting, and trust me, she's an individual who knows a ton about creativity. Amy, welcome back to LJN Radio. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, the idea of creativity, I'm sure people have in their head a certain uh, thought of what that is exactly. But do you, from your experience, believe that most people feel they are creative or not so much? You know, it's a tough question. Um, I think some people, they believe they're highly creative, but I also think some people think they're not creative at all. Hmm. One of the ways that I've seen this is that often when I'm doing a creativity training, at the very beginning of the workshop, I'll ask people to raise their hand if they think they're creative. And usually, depending on the group and how many people are in the room, the response is anywhere from 40 to 70% will raise their hand yes. Okay. So obviously, this is not a scientific study, (laughs) but what really shocked me was one time I was leading a workshop and it was a room full of professional artists. Hmm. Only half of them raised their hand. Really? Yeah. So I think that, you know, we have these, I don't know, these myths about creativity in our culture. And then we believe that you know, we're not creative unless we're, you know, like Leonardo da Vinci or just mm. like some, you know, over the top, highly creative person. Right. But I really believe like every human has incredible creative potential. And it's just a matter of tapping into that and not ignoring it. Well, it is fascinating. You mentioned that as a group of art students, you'd imagine they all at least thought they were creative in some respect. But I like the example you bring up that maybe a lot of them just have these high expectations of themselves that they feel they don't reach. And I guess that leads into the question as a leader. What sort of challenges does that pose as far as the perception of creativity and and what people view of within themselves? Well, I think one thing that's important for leaders to know is that when people believe they're more creative, they actually are more creative. Hmm. And so it ends up being like this self-fulfilling prophecy. If you can, as a leader, encourage people to be more creative, which is sort of, you know, giving them permission to think outside the box a little bit, but then also giving them feedback, that positive feedback when you do see that creativity I think that can really help build like their self-esteem around creativity and realize like, oh, okay, maybe I do have some creativity in me. Right. The other thing that is really helpful, I think, is creativity training can help people understand creativity more. A lot of times when I have people raise their hand and then we start talking about it, they say, well, I didn't raise my hand because I can't draw. Hmm. Well, <laughs> creativity is not about drawing. You could be highly creative and just struggle drawing stick figures. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people get that confused that creativity is not about art or that kind of thing. Right. And when they go to creativity training, then they realize, oh, okay, there's this whole other aspect to it. In talking about the idea of being creative, one question that I often have is the idea of doing something on your own versus being able to try to be creative within a team. You know, a lot of people might work better on their own. You think about, of course, people might think about those great artists and, well, they did all this stuff on their own. How does it matter or how does it affect things if you're doing something on your own versus being in a team? And what's sort of the dynamic that might play into both of those areas? Both are important. And that I think as a, when you're trying to be creative, you want to have some time alone where Mm -hmm. you can process and think through things and work on things alone. But then you also want to be around other people because that's where you can share ideas, get some feedback, find out, okay, how can I help make this idea better? Maybe this is way too far left field. How can I you know, work on that. I also think, at least in our U.S. culture, that we have this very, you know, individualistic ideal of creativity. And so we credit people like Einstein or Edison, like, oh, yeah, they're so creative. Both of them had 
lots of people working with them. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't working alone. And most, you know, most people we think of, you know, if you think of like any sort of human creative accomplishment, chances are it was more than one person working on it. Right. We give credit to that one person at, because they were the leader of that team and we forget about the rest of the team that was working there. And so then that confuses us as far as, you know, our own creativity. So really, I think having both is important. Yeah, obviously makes sense as far as uh, having that balance in some respect. But let's jump into the team aspect because that is what we want to touch on as far as being able to lead that group and as far as dealing with the creative side. So particularly when you're trying to lead a creative team, is there a certain leadership style that tends to work best with this group if you're thinking in terms of creativity? You know, there's you know probably dozens or hundreds of leadership styles out there. One style that has been studied and found effective to help people be more creative is called transformational leadership. And this is the leadership style where the leader is really focused on helping people accomplish more than they realize they can accomplish. And there tends to be a focus beyond just beyond themselves and really looking at like the greater good. Mm-hmm. Like how can we have an impact on the world or on our community or even just within our organization? That transformational leadership tends to focus on there's a value placed on, you know, people's emotions, on ethics, on having high standards. And people respond to that in a really positive, creative way. Within that transformational leadership, there's four factors that leaders should be thinking about Mm -hmm. that really help that work. So the first is called idealized influence. And this is where the leaders really, and someone's trying to model, like be a role model. They're modeling the way. They're showing, okay, these are my values. These are my ethics. And I want you also to be withholding your values and ethics throughout this process. There's a, a focus on morality and on doing the right thing. So that's the first factor. The second factor is the inspirational motivation, where you're really, as a leader, trying to you know, motivate and excite the team. Mm-hmm. Generally, for creativity to happen, there needs to be some internal motivation. Sure. And so that transformational leadership is really about, okay, how can I get my team more self-motivated versus you know, rewards or bonuses? Oh, there's just like loads of research that shows that does not help people be more creative. And then the third factor is intellectual stimulation. And this is, yeah, give them challenging opportunities, things that are going to get them excited about pushing themselves intellectually and really challenging them. And the fourth is called individualized consideration. And this is where, as a leader, you're really you're getting to know the individuals on the team and helping to figure out, like, what do they need? What motivates them? What excites them? You're pushing them to really go beyond what they thought they could do. I think a great analogy is if you've ever had like a teacher or a professor who really saw something in you that you maybe didn't even see in yourself Mm -hmm. and they pushed you. It's a great example of individualized consideration and that transformational leadership piece. Now, truthfully, in hearing these examples and the factors that go into the idea of transformational leadership, is there something about this that makes it more effective with a creative group versus kind of that traditional idea of of a team? Because Personally, when I hear these, it sure sounds like, hey, why wouldn't you do this for your group, no matter what kind of team you're leading? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think transformational leadership is definitely not limited to creative needs. I mean, it could be anything, you know, and I don't, I don't even know really why, but we have this, probably I would say like the traditional leadership style mm-hmm. is often referred to as transactional leadership. Okay. This is where like we're focused on, you know, the rewards and punishments. Like, okay, if you, if you sell more widgets, I'm going to give you a bonus. And mm-hmm. if you don't sell enough, I'm going to punish you. And there tends to be a focus on maintaining the status quo. 
transaction leaders might be very charismatic and outgoing, but really, if you kind of look behind the curtain, you'll see it's all about their personal gain versus like transformational leaders. It's really about how do I help contribute to the greater good? How can I have a positive influence beyond myself? And I think transformational leadership, yeah, it can apply to any setting, whether you're trying to be creative or not. Well, and it is interesting. You bring up the idea that with transactional, you're looking at a lot of numbers. And if you don't get this, this is what happens and and so on. But as we're talking about the creative side of things, it doesn't necessarily apply. But I think there are also other considerations within that team. So what would you say a leader needs to really be considerate of when you're talking about you know awareness of the team and those individuals? What are some things they really need to focus on when they want to be a positive leader? As part of the process of working on a PhD, I've done a lot of research on this and come up with six things that research has shown these are what a creative team needs. So the first is the leader needs to design a diverse team and at the same time building a sense of inclusion. Hmm. So teams that are more diverse do tend to be more creative. And I mean diverse in all terms of, you know, in all ways of that word. Right. But one of the challenges with diverse teams is they also tend to, you know, maybe not get along as well and have more conflict. And so building that sense of inclusion is important and helping people actually feel a sense of team identity. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to build trust amongst the team. Being creative requires taking risks. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just like throwing an idea out there. Right. And so I need to know that when I throw an idea out there, my teammates aren't going to just like laugh at me and tell me that's stupid. And then also later, they're not going to throw me under the bus if an idea doesn't work. So really building that trust that I, we know each other, that we're going to support each other, that kind of thing. So that trust is really important. Third is there are actually some conflict that's really positive for creativity. Sure. Gauging the team and what's called cognitive conflict is really valuable. And that's that conflict around ideas. And so let's say we're brainstorming for a new product and we get together and we throw out all these ideas. In that moment, the conflict's not important, but afterwards, say we have 300 ideas on the whiteboard, <laughs> obviously we're not going to do them all. So then we need to start whittling them down. And that's a good thing if we disagree, mm-hmm. that we want to have those conversations. You know, one person says, hey, I like idea three, so it's well, idea 21. And then they're each, you know, sharing their reasons. And they're kind of getting into it a little bit, but not in a personal way. Right. And that's very important, that it's really about the idea and people don't walk away feeling personal. The fourth is there needs to be some autonomy, but at the same time working towards the shared goal. Right. If as a leader, I challenge this team to be creative with something, but I'm very specific with what I want the end product to be like, well, they can probably accomplish what you need to, but that's not necessarily going to, they're not necessarily going to be creative with that. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary that a team's always creative, of course. Sometimes that's not appropriate. But if you do want them to create, be creative, you got to give them a little freedom to do that. Makes sense. And the tip one we already talked about a little bit is balancing that individual and group work. You know, if you're only working on the concepts when you're together as a group, that's not going to be so helpful. Mm-hmm. And of course, the flip side, if you're only working on it alone, then, well, you're not a team anyway. So, <laughs> And then finally, the sixth thing is, I think one thing leaders can do is provide creativity training. And there's just like oodles of research that shows that when people have training on how to be more creative and innovative, it has positive impact sure. and they end up, you know, producing more creativity and more innovation. So those are six things that I found in the research that leaders should think about and be aware of when they're trying to have a creative team. And I wanted to dive into a couple of those a little bit deeper because I, I do find them fascinating and obviously areas of importance. 
And the one that you did bring up early on uh, in that list was the idea of trust. And I was always curious, especially in a setting like this, where, as you mentioned, there are going to be a lot of ideas thrown out. There are going to be some criticisms, nothing personal, but there are going to be criticisms of maybe the ideas get, get tossed up there and, and thrown aside. How does a leader foster that trust and really bring that group together so that everyone does feel comfortable to put themselves out there in a way? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think it can be very challenging. I think the first thing that a leader should do is to role model. I think part of trusting other people is we get to know them. You know, if you think about all the people you trust in your life, they're probably people that you know, at least to some degree. Mm -hmm. And so one thing a leader can do is to share about themselves with the group. Now, of course, there is a, you know, you don't have to share everything. It's not like, you know, TMI. (laughs) But, you know, to let the people you're working with get to know you a bit. And even some of the personal things, you know, share about your life at home, that kind of thing. Right. You know, by role modeling that, you can then ask, you know, other people to be to do the same thing. And you can do that in a very intentional way. I've worked with a number of teams where we've walked through that process together where people go around and share and it can be incredibly powerful. I've seen people who work together for 10 years and then find stuff out about each other and say, wow, I never knew that about you. Hmm. At the same time, you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to hang out outside of work. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that can really help with building trust is to be intentional about what's the culture going to be within this team. Often when I'm facilitating a team, at the very beginning of our work together, we'll develop a list of like what kind of behaviors do we want to see within this group. And you know, every group that we're part of, there are expectations for certain types of behaviors. So one example I really like is, you know, if you have different groups of friends in your life, there may be some friends where like you're more sarcastic with, whereas other friends you're not so much because that's just not the style with that group of people. And often you figure that out kind of through trial and error or maybe making a stupid comment and realizing like, oh, that's not going to fly in this group. But if you have that conversation up front and you decide, well, what's appropriate within our group, wow, you know, that can just like fast forward your, your group development because mm-hmm. now we're not going to stumble over that anymore. And of course, then you have to check back in and find out like, hey, you know, we've been working together for a month. How are we doing on our, our agreements? Anything we need to adjust or talk about and providing that space for people to talk about the group itself, not just the task that you're working on. And that, that sort of answers some of the questions I had uh, was going to bring up about the idea of conflict. Obviously, you talked about the value there. And um, you know, I, my question, though, with that is how do you control that in a way? And I think you gave some examples there. But as far as keeping it as a positive, because of course, as you say, conflict is positive and beneficial, but you don't want it to get out of control in some way. So is there something that a leader can do to make sure that it stays in that safe area or doesn't get out of control in some way? In some ways, it's a bit of an art as a leader mm-hmm. and as a facilitator to be able to do that. But a couple things that I think are important are, okay, so we talked about the cognitive conflict, which is the type of conflict we want in a group. Right. But the other type of conflict is called affective conflict, where this is where we're just having conflict because of our different personalities. Hmm. You know, you've probably seen that before where there's just like two people in a team and no matter what happens, they're butting heads. Right. So I think one way to help mitigate that is to use a tool... There's no other tools out there, but one that I particularly like is called the Foresight Thinking Profile. This is similar to something like Myers-Briggs or DISC or that kind of thing, but it's specific to creativity. And it helps people understand their own preference as well as the team's profile regarding creative thinking. And we won't get into this now, but there's four different types of, you know, four different preferences within the creative thinking process. 
And when we understand our own styles and other styles better, I think that helps us realize where people are coming from and why they're bringing up certain things. And when people have really different styles, they can butt heads, but then if they really understand why each other is bringing up that piece when they are, they realize like, oh, okay, nope, this is her strength. This isn't mine. I'm going to step back and let, let her jump in and then vice versa. And so I think that's a way, you know, when we understand each other better, we can have more empathy and more, the conflict becomes more positive that way. Sure. Well, Amy, you've given us a lot of good information and a lot of things for managers to think about as far as leading that team and especially looking at the creative side of things. What would you like to leave the listeners with as far as our conversation today and this idea of leading within a creative team? Uh, anything you would like to add that we haven't discussed today? One thing that I hope if you're listening to this, you take away is that you have incredible creative potential. And if you're someone who doesn't believe you're creative, just pay attention this next week or two and look at where are some areas that you are exhibiting creativity. Chances are it's there and you're just not realizing it. And it has nothing to do with your ability to draw. And if you're a leader leading a group, I would say think about how can you encourage your team to be more creative and give them a little bit of autonomy and freedom so that they can produce some more innovative, creative results. And then also, if you have the, the resources and the, and the opportunity to invite someone to come in to do some creativity training with your team. It's something that I do, and there's many other people out there. I've trained in a process called the Creative Problem Solving Process, and I'm also certified to deliver the Foresight Thinking Tool. Also, I'm excited to share that in early 2015, I am starting a podcast that will be about how to lead creative teams. Nice. Go out weekly. So if you're interested in that, you can go to my website, which is climberconsulting.com. It's C-L-I-M-E-R consulting.com. So you can go there and check it out. Yeah, I hope this was helpful. Yeah, perfect. And yeah, if anyone wants to check that out again, that's climberconsulting.com. We've been speaking with Amy Clymer. She is the owner of Climber Consulting, and she's been kind enough to join us here today. And I no doubt believe that the podcast was inspired by her original appearance on LJN Radio. So I'm just going to go ahead and take credit for that one. Uh, Amy, thanks for coming <laughs> on the show and sharing with us today. Yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure, Tim. And of course, if you'd like to get in touch with us, maybe you have an idea for a future show, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. Find us at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.